Welcome to Sermons from Bailey Road. You are about to hear a sermon given at Bailey Road Baptist Church. Bailey Road is a small Bible-believing church located in North Jackson, Ohio, and is pastored by Pastor Aaron Smith. We are dedicated to serving the Lord through our people and through our teaching. We hope you are enlightened by today's message, and again, welcome to Bailey Road Baptist Church. Uh, but We are very thankful to be here tonight and excited to get into God's Word. And so if you would, would look with me at 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17, and uh, with God's help tonight, I'm going to preach a message titled, Just Keep on Trusting the Lord, or maybe we could say, Just Trust the Lord, Just Trust the Lord, and uh, 1 Kings chapter 17, uh, we're, we're going to begin reading in verse 1, but that's not where most of the message is going to come from tonight, uh, and we're going to go ahead and read that to begin with in chapter 17, verse 1. And it tells us this, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord of God Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. And it came to pass that after a while, the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongs to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there, to sustain thee. Tonight, as we look at this true story in the Bible about Elijah, we're going to learn about trusting in the Lord, not, not from Elijah. He was a man of like passions as we were, as we are, but we're going to look at a much, uh, a different person. We're going to focus on this widow woman of Zarephath tonight. Let's go ahead and pray, and we're going to see what God has for us tonight, and uh, just ask him to shine the light on the truth here. Heavenly Father, thank you for the, just the privilege it is to come to your house tonight and worship you in spirit and in truth and just to sing about your amazing grace and having victory because of what you've done for us. Uh, Lord, I just pray tonight that you would help me to get out of the way. We want to shine the spotlight on what you have for us in your word. I pray that uh, you would be glorified on what is said, but also on what is received. Lord, I pray that you would just help us to see that uh regardless of the surroundings, regardless of our supplies, that you can sustain us. So, Lord, I just pray you would increase our faith, increase our trust in you tonight as we look into your word. We say all these things in your name. Amen. It's very difficult to see if someone is going to trust God if they're never put in the position where it's difficult to trust God in. If it's always easy, if things are always going easy, then it would be easy to trust God. Uh, it's often been said that a faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. And we had this experience with my daughter Macy recently. Uh, a lot of the kids this morning, we got them a coloring sheet, and they have to say a word, an Irish word. It's Makana Geeter Dahalia. It's a town on the west coast of Ireland. If they're able to say that name, then we have candy for them at the table. Well, someone who knows this better than anybody is Macy. Macy loves candy. She's 21 months old, 
and she knows that in that silver teapot on our table, there is candy. And something that does not look good as you're traveling to churches is when the pastor's talking to you by your table, your little girl to jump on the ground and throw a temper tantrum and scream and say, candy, and to start throwing things off your table because you won't give her candy. It does not look good, okay? It's a bad look. And so Macy, we're like, oh man, we, we have to get this figured out. We, we have to train Macy right. And so Macy, she knows there's candy there. And she thinks every time we open that to give candy to kids, then she deserves a piece of candy as well. So I had a really smart idea. I said, I know what we'll do. We'll, we'll go ahead and we'll get that teapot and we'll hide it behind that table, table banner. And she'll never know that there's candy back there. Well, Macy takes after her mom. She's smart. And she still knew she would come and she would cry, ask for candy. And that wasn't really fixing the problem. That was just making it easy for her. But we weren't really teaching her to obey. And so now what we do, before we leave our RV, that's our rig back there in the parking lot, appreciate the hookup, uh, is we'll tell Macy, we'll kind of act like a basketball coach. We'll kind of try to super up. And we, we're about to come into church and say, Macy, say, no, no, Candy. She'll say, no, no, Candy. And we'll say, say, mommy, daddy. She'll say, mommy, daddy. Say, say, obey. And she'll say, obey, obey. And she'll, we'll walk into the church and she'll say, obey. And right now it's about 50-50. Half the time it works, half the time it doesn't. Hopefully tonight, as we're walking out of church, hopefully it's working and Macy's happy, happy, okay? Uh, so Macy, we wanted her to trust her mom and dad that we knew what was best for her. We didn't just want to remove every hardship away out of her life. And you see that Israel, they're in a time of physical. They're in a time of spiritual drought. King Ahab, the Bible says there's no more wicked king before him. There's no more wicked queen Jezebel before or after her either. And they're horrible people. Uh, they're horrible leaders in the land right now. And they're in a time of drought because of the, what they led the land into. Ahab, he, he was concerned about military expansion, economic expansion, and that drove his decisions. And it was a land of religious pluralism, where there are many gods, where uh, there are a lot of different truths. It was a land where believers were censored. And when I say censored, they're censored to the point where uh, they, they would have, uh, it wasn't just social media posts being removed. No, these people aren't being censored. The Bible says they're being slain with the sword because they trusted, they believed in the one true God of Israel. It is a very scary time to be, be to be a Bible believer. And Ahab and Jezebel, they, they even led the land into this bell worship to where they would get children where human life was cheap. And they would get babies and they put these babies on these idols' hands and they would sacrifice infants to these idols. It's a land, it's a very immoral land. It's a very, very immoral culture right now in Israel. And Elijah and 7,000 other people, they had to trust God in the midst of the ungodly persecution that was happening in Israel. And they're only going to be supplied during this drought of there being no rain and this spiritual drought as they simply trusted in God. Can I tell you that Ahab and Jezebel, they had the chariots. They had the popularity with the land. They, they had all these things, but one thing that Ahab and Jezebel did not have is they did not have the favor of God. And one thing we have to remember as Christians, Elijah, he had the favor of God. Our hope is found in the favor of God. It's not found in some political Messiah. It's not found in, 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 in anything like that. It's found when we know that we are doing right 
my God. And you see that Elijah's name in this story, Elijah's name means God is Jehovah. And Elijah's name, it really pointed to that. I mean, we, we read the boldness it took to go before Queen Jezebel and King Ahab. And to go to that throne room and point his finger at him and say, listen, there's not going to be rain in the land because of you. Because of what you have allowed to happen in our nation, there won't be any rain. He had to trust that he wasn't going to die there. But then God further sustains him. He goes to this brook Cherith in the middle of a drought and God sends ravens to feed him. When I first uh, read this story, I, I, I didn't know... Uh, I, I didn't know about this ravens. I kind of was uh, skeptical here. Ravens feeding, feeding. When I heard the story as a little boy, but I grew up in Sri Lanka, and in Sri Lanka you'll see ravens. And man, those ravens, man, they'll be carrying babies and and buses and and houses. No, they're not that big, but they're big. Okay, these ravens, they're just feasting all the garbage heaps there. And man, these ravens, these nasty ravens. He's trusting God that they will feed him. They'll sustain him in the midst of this environment. It's a time where the world rejected God. It's a time uh, where God is testing the faith. He's testing the trust that Elijah and this widow of Zarephath have in him. And I believe that today, as we look at uh, our culture, we look at our land, I believe that this COVID-19, I believe that this political environment that we're in, I believe it's made Bible believers, it's made faithful believers more faithful, but, but it's also made faithless believers more faithless as well. And Elijah had a trust in God's direction, provision, because we know that where God guides, he provides. When God calls, he's going to enable us as well. So tonight, we're going to see three components regarding trusting in the Lord. And we're not going to look at uh, Elijah as much as we're going to look at this widow of Zarephath. So I want you to see first tonight, I want you to see these uh, the improbable surroundings that they find themselves in. It doesn't seem very likely, it seems very improbable that these surroundings, that God is going to be able to accomplish anything here. Part of these surroundings that you see is that you see there's ungodly leadership of the land. For God to do anything with this widow, for God to do anything with Elijah, and you have the most wicked king and queen ever in power. I want to remind you tonight that most of our Bible was written in the midst of very ungodly leadership. Most of our Bible was written when religious liberty was not even much of an option for people. Most major revivals happened in the Bible when people woke up and turned their hearts back to God in the midst of deep persecution from ungodly leadership in a land. And can I tell you this tonight, that I want righteousness in, our, in, in a, the U.S., in Ireland. I want there to be moral laws, but as much as I want Roe versus Wade to be overturned, as much as I want laws of morality in our land, legislation and changing a law does not change people's hearts. It does not change people's morality. The only thing that can change someone's hearts is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And you see here that in the midst of this ungodly leadership, these improbable surroundings, God wants to work because, hey, listen, the righteousness of a nation is in the hands of, a go of the godly. You've been talking about revival at your church. We know in 2 Chronicles 7.14, God says, hey, it's up to my people 
if my people, which are called by my name, if they humble themselves, if they turn from their wicked ways, then that's when I'm going to heal, heal their land. So you see here that in the midst of this ungodly leadership that's going on in Israel, God still wants them to trust him because he still wants to work. But you also see there's also an unlikely location. Out of all the places God could have sent Elijah to to get help, to get sustenance, out of all the places that God could work, he sends him to Zarephath. Where's Zarephath? What is Zarephath? Well, Zarephath, it's seven miles. It's a Mediterranean town, seven miles south of Zidon. It is Jezebel's daddy's town. Okay, it's his stomping grounds. Jezebel, one of the most wicked queens ever in the world. And he says, hey, I want you to go to Zarephath. There's only 7,000 believers who still believe in God in a, in a nation of millions. What was happening? Where they were being slain with the sword. They were literally being killed. And if I was Elijah, the one place I know I could be caught dead in is probably Zarephath. Man, that is where uh, her daddy's from. That's where Jezebel's from. And, and that's a place that there's, out of the 7,000 believers in Israel, there probably none of them are in Zarephath. It's not, a very, it's not a place you think that God would work. It's a God-denying place. It's a place where believers are hated. It's in the heart of King Ahab's control. But yet God wants to work in this unlikely location. And I'm so glad tonight that Bethlehem, God worked in Bethlehem. Even though it was the least among the thousands of Judah, God is going to bring forth the Messiah out of Bethlehem. And I want to challenge you tonight, I want you to remember this, that God is not limited by locations. Many times we're so afraid and we let fear overtake us and we look at uh, maybe where we're at. We look at the town we're in, we look at the workplace we're at, we look at the family we have. And, and we look just at this general location, we just say, oh man, this this... I don't know what God can do through me in this location. I don't know what God can do here. God is not limited by locations. I remember when I was uh, first, we were, when my parents were missionaries going to Sri Lanka, and I remember it being in a missions conference, and I see that you all support a missionary to Japan. And this Japanese missionary, he was ethnically Japanese. And his testimony, he came to the platform to present his video, talk about where he was going, what he was doing. And he said, God had to take me all the way from Japan to the U.S. to a university where I heard the gospel for the first time from a Bible study group at the university I went. And I got saved. And he said, God had to take me from Japan in order for that to happen in my life. And everyone's like, oh, wow, that's neat. And it was my dad's turn to come up right after him. My dad came up. And my dad said, God had to take a boy, uh, an altar boy from, from western New York, from Niagara Falls in New York. He had to take him all the way in the Marines, all the way to Okinawa, Japan, to hear the gospel for the first time. Can I tell you that God is not limited by locations? This town... Uh, just, just to be honest with you, traveling on the road and, and going to all different places, there doesn't seem like that. There's a, this this area. There doesn't seem to be uh, a, a lot of people. Okay, but yet God can still build a church. He can put this building together. He can build the people of God into a church. He's not limited by locations. 
And so in the midst of this ungodly leadership, in the midst of this unlikely location, we, they, they, God did not want their unbelief to shackle his omnipotence. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 55 that my thoughts are not your thoughts. Your ways are not my ways, saith the Lord. But you also see that there's this unlikely location, there's this ungodly leadership, but you also see an unusable lady. Out of all the people that God is going to do something great with and that God is going to use to help Elijah, a widow. In their culture back then, a widow was among the least in society. A, A widow was dirt poor, okay? There wasn't much. Now, that was when times were good. That's when there wasn't a drought. I mean, you've heard the story of Ruth and Naomi, right? Ruth and Naomi, they're practically beggars. They had to go to their family's home and they had to scrape up just to get enough to get by. But yet, this widow woman, now it's, now it's a famine time. There's no rain and God sends Elijah to go see her. And back in that culture, it would have been very uh, humiliating for a guy to have to go to a widow woman to get some sustenance. But this is God's plan. He wants to use this lady. And, and I want to challenge you tonight that, that God wants to use it's a unusable people. It's the people that know that, hey, I can't do it on my own. Those are the ones that God wants to work through. You see it all throughout the Bible. You, you see Moses with his speech impediment. You see Rahab with her sinful, adulterous past. You see that woman at the well. You see the denying Peter. You see a doubting Thomas. You see a destructive Paul. And you see these people in the Bible that to many people would say, oh, they're not usable. They have too much baggage. They don't seem like, I don't know what God can do in that person's life, but yet God wanted to use them. And I want to challenge you tonight that every single person at Bailey Road Baptist Church, God has a plan for your life. He wants to use you. And you might say, oh, well, I don't know about these surroundings I'm in. They seem kind of improbable. I, I don't know if things are going to add up really for God to do anything with my life. Hey, God wants us to trust Him despite of the improbable surroundings. But I also want you to see, secondly, that there is not a lot for God to work with. You see inadequate supplies here. As we continue reading the story, you look with me at verse uh, verse 10 in 1 Kings chapter 17. It says, So he arose and went to Zarephath. When he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And and she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. Wow. Elijah going to this widow woman of Zarephath to ask. God wants to use this widow woman to help him. And the supplies that she has, they are very, very inadequate. But she wants to do something. And so what she gives first to Elijah when Elijah asks her, Hey, can you give me a cup of water? I pray thee, please. Okay, he's being polite. Can you give me a cup of water? And she gives, I want to call tonight, she gives him a faithless offering. You might say, Josh, that's unkind. You're saying that she didn't have any faith? She worked. 
for her to take a break from her excruciating reality. She loves her son. She thinks her son is going to die, that she's going to die in just a few days. And she's polite enough to say, yes, I'll get you a cup of water. It's a time of drought. Maybe she had to go to the well. Maybe she had to lower that bucket and, and give, take some effort to get that water. Maybe she already had the vase in her house with water. But this stranger, she had to go and get him a cup of water. She was willing to do that because that was something she could do in her own strength. It required work. Maybe required a little bit of sweat. But she could get him a cup of water. It didn't require faith. She was willing to give him a faithless offering. You say, Josh, I, I, I think that's kind of unkind. I, I, she, a faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. The Bible says a, without faith, it's impossible to please God. I think many times in our life, we're willing to give faithless offerings to God. God, I, I, I'll pray for this. And really what we're praying for, if we could do that, oh, I, you can, I can get that promotion if I just work harder and, and smile at the boss more. I don't know. I, but we'll pray for something that we can do in our own strength. We'll do something that we can do in our own strength to the Lord. Oh God, I, I feel really, really comfortable being involved in this kind of ministry in church. But that ministry? No, I can't do that. I, can't, I don't feel comfortable with that. We're willing to do something that we can do on our own. We don't need God. I can do that. I feel comfortable working around kids. I can do that. But what about this? God, I, I, I can give this, but I, I can't give that. And many times when it comes to what we can give God, we have, it requires work. It requires effort. It's commendable. It's a cup of water that we're giving. But yet that's, God wants us to exercise faith. For without faith, it's impossible to please God. When we look at the improbable surroundings that we're in today, there are many times there's faithless offerings we're willing to give, and the reason why we're willing to give faithless offerings but not faithful offerings is because we have fearful objections. This lady, she had a fearful objection. I mean, you heard her. She loves her son. She's afraid of her future, and her vision of her future was limited by her own ability. She was not able to save her son. She was not able to save herself. She didn't have the means. She didn't have the sustenance. She couldn't do it on her own. And her own ability, it was limiting her. And she didn't have faith. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 14, 12, that there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is a way of death. And that's definitely true for this lady. It seemed very right for her to tell Elijah, Elijah, no, I, I can give you water, but I can't do any more than that. She's thinking about life and death. And she was thought, oh, this seems right to me, but if she continued down that road, her and her son would have died. She's afraid of her future. She's scared about what's coming next. She doesn't have any hope uh, of anything getting better in her life. She didn't have a vision and she was going to perish. The Bible says, for where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that trusteth in the law, happy is he. What she needed, she needed to stop doing just what she could see and she needed to trust in what God was about to tell her. She needed to trust in God's words. 
Maybe she, you know, I believe today many Christians are full of fear for the future and they don't have faith to see what God can do through their life. Maybe we turn on the news too much and while watching all of that, maybe we just think about our environment that we're in, just the personal circumstances of our life, and we get scared. We get fearful, and many times, rather than, let me just give you an example. The people in the Bible, you know a phrase that people probably said a lot, and people really believed, as they believed in the imminent return of Jesus Christ. People, people back then were scared in the New Testament. First Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians, First Peter, Second Peter, what's going on? Nero, man, he's a bad dude. He's killing people in the Colosseums. He's doing horrible things. And they're saying, oh man, we're in the tribulation. Man, and things are really, really bad. And Paul and Peter, they write these books and they say, no, no, no. He said, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with, with him in the clouds, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And they're saying, hey, listen, we're not appointed unto wrath. We're not going to be here during the tribulation. The rapture's coming. Jesus is coming soon. And what, what were they trying to challenge the early church to do? They're trying to tell them this. Hey, God is coming back soon. And because God is coming back soon, we need to be urgent about getting the gospel to as many people as we can. But today, sometimes I think our fear and our belief in the imminent return of Christ has the opposite effect. I've heard, I've even, I've even had some of these feelings myself to say, hey, things are bad. Hey, Jesus is coming soon. Man, man, we're in the last days. And you know who I have that in common with or we need to have that in common with? The early church. They believed that. They were commanded to believe in the imminent return of Christ. Oh, I don't want it to be said of my generation as we look at improbable surroundings that we use as a reason just to sit soaking sour. We use it as a reason to say, you know what? We're just going to hold on until Jesus comes. No, occupy till He comes, Jesus said. We have to get busy reaching this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So you see here that she's fearful. She has these objections from having faith and trusting. And can I challenge you tonight that when you withhold from trusting God with your life, you're always going to miss out on the blessings of God. Proverbs 11.24 says, There is that scattereth, and yet increaseth. There is that withholdeth more than his meat, but it tendeth to poverty. And we're not talking just about finances tonight. No, God wants our time. He wants our talents. He wants our treasures. And when we withhold from giving God our time and we're saying, oh God, I'll give you this, I'll do this for you, but I won't do that because I can do this in my own strength. Well, James says, hey, God, God wants us to have faith and works, not just the works part. God's going to help us to do more when we have that faith as well. So you see this fearful objection and this faithless offering, but I want you to notice that she, she ultimately gives a faith-filled offering. If you continue reading in verse 13, Elijah said unto her, he knew that she was scared. He said, fear not. Go and do as thou hast said, but make me therefore a little cake first. Bring it unto me, and after make of thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah. She gave her all. 
She gave all the food she has to Elijah. And by giving her all, she was exercising her faith. This is kind of the Old Testament version of the widow's might. And can I say this tonight, that faith is not always trusting in God without knowing what the outcome will be. Many times when it comes to trusting in God and having faith, can I tell you that the faith we have today, it's not a blind faith. We have a reasonable faith. And many times the things that God wants us to take a step of faith to do for Him, God is not saying, hey, I'm asking you to do this and I don't know what's going to happen. We'll wait and see. No, God didn't do that to her. God's a gentleman, okay? He's not a dictator. And He told this lady, He said, hey, listen, I'm asking you to do this for me, but I'm going to make you a promise. If you step out on faith, if you step out and you just keep on trusting me, your barrel's not going to run out. I'm going to infinitely sustain you if you just trust me. He makes her a promise. Has God made us promises and throughout His Word? Oh, you better be believe it. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. But my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. For we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose. He that soweth in tears shall reap in joy. God gives us so many promises that if we just sow in tears, we're going to be able to reap in joy. If we just trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct thy paths. God makes His promise after promise after promise after promise in His Word where He say, hey, faith is not always just trusting without knowing what's going to happen. God has made us promises. And what God's asking us to do tonight, what He wants us to do as we try to seek to fulfill the Great Commission, that's the mission of the church, as we seek to go and to, to pray and we seek to see people saved and we seek to see people discipled, God's saying this, hey, I want you to believe my promises. I want you to believe Acts 1.8, that, that, that all power is given unto you. I want you to believe Matthew 28, that, Lord, I'm with you always, even until the end of the world. I'm never going to leave you nor forsake you. I'm with you in the midst of all of this. He wants us to believe Second Chronicles 7.14, that if we humble ourselves, and if, if we turn from our wicked ways, and He's going to hear from heaven, He's going to heal our land. He wants us to claim those promises. So God is not asking this lady to do something that He's not going to give her the power to do. He's not asking her to do something that He's not going to tell her what's going to happen because of her stepping out in faith. I'm glad that the disciples, when God gave them the Great Commission, He didn't just say, hey, just, uh, just go out there and see what's going to happen. No, He said, hey, all, I'm going to give you all power. I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you my presence. I, you're going to have the power of the resurrection, the power of the gospel in your life to see God accomplish great things. If we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. So God, I want to challenge you tonight. Are there promises that God has given in His Word that you just, you're skeptic? You look at the improbable surroundings and you look around and you say, no, you know, that sounds all nice. That sounds like a nice thing to put on a Christian car to go give somebody when they're feeling down. 
No, it's not just a nice saying, it's a truth. That promise is not just a self-help guru. No, it's the infallible, inerrant, timeless, preserved Word of God. It's living. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It took faith to feed him first, and it didn't make sense. And it makes sense that when everything else is going on in this lady's life, that God wanted her to order her priorities. The Bible tells us in Proverbs to honor the Lord with the first fruits of our, our of all thine increase, to honor the Lord with our substance and and this principle of putting God first in our life, oftentimes there's so many things that clamor for our attention. Maybe even health needs. For this lady, it was death, life and death. That was what was going on. God said, hey, I know that's important, but what's more important is me. And might, there might be things in our life today that we look and we're, we're concerned about, and God's saying, hey, I know you're concerned about that, but don't let that be something that steals your faith. Don't let that be something that you're putting that as your priority and you're forgetting about me in your life. So you see that despite of these inadequate supplies, despite of the improbable surroundings, I want you to see lastly tonight that there's infinite sustenance. If you look at verses 14 through 16, did God come through? Oh yes, He did. He sustained this lady. And you might say, oh Josh, I, I don't agree with that. You, she, he sustained her, but it wasn't infinite. It didn't last forever. I'm, in fact, uh, the rain comes back and she doesn't have that food always there anymore. He didn't infinitely sustain her. He maybe sustained her for a little bit, but not infinitely. No, he did. He did infinitely sustain her. You might say, you know, Josh, I've done my fair share of trusting. I've trusted in God before. Well, you just need to keep on trusting Him. This lady, did the barrel of meal, did it eventually run out? Oh, it did. In fact, do you know what happens after she trusts God with the life of her son? She does something that was really difficult, that required great faith on her part. Do you know what happens just the next verse? Do you know what happens to that son she gives to God and trusts God with? He dies. This doesn't always happen this way, but God, in His good grace, He eventually brings that son back to life. He didn't have to do that, but he did that for her. Do you know that lady, she had to trust God, but even after that, bill, that meal ran out, that oil ran out, do you know what she had to keep on doing when her son died? She had to keep on trusting God. Elijah, you might say, oh yeah, Elijah, I mean, uh, I, he didn't have infinite sustenance. I mean, he, I, I mean he, he, the chariot dries up and the Zarephath lady, you know, he, uh, he has to go on from there. You know, God sustained Elijah as he went to that throne room of Ahab for the first time. He sustained him as he went to Cherith, as he went to Zarephath, as he went in the wilderness to meet Ahab and hope Ahab wasn't going to kill him. He sustained him in 1 Kings 18 on Mount Carmel, one prophet of God against 850 prophets of Baal. And as he challenged him and fire came down from heaven and revival broke out in the land, and those 850 prophets of Baal were slain, and the people of Israel said, the, 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 the Lord, He is the God. And, and, and he had to trust God there, but then when Jezebel threatened to kill him, and he goes underneath that juniper tree near Beersheba, he has to trust God as he wants to die, as he gets so low and discouraged, he thinks that his ministry was no good. But then he has to trust God when God says, hey, get up, I want you to go find Elisha. I want you to continue investing your life in others. I want you to continue trusting in me. I want you to start that school of the prophets. Elijah, every step of his life, he was sustained 
as he simply trusted in God. Trusting in God is not a one-time decision. Trusting in God is not a one-time altar call. It's not a one-time experience. Trusting in God is a daily lifestyle as a Christian that we have to do again and again and again. Because when we prove God, He's going to provide for us. Malachi 3.10 tells us this, when we decide to trust God, God says, bring all your tithes in the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house. Prove me, prove me. Now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out you a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. When we are tested, we need to trust in God. The Bible tells us, David said this in Psalms, I have been young and now I am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. We need to just take God at his word. We need to believe in his promises and believe that he's provided for our souls in heaven. He can provide, he can sustain us here on this earth as well. If we can have faith that what he did on the cross was enough for us to go to heaven, hey, we can have faith that he's going to help us have the victorious Christian life on this earth as well. Because he wants to infinitely sustain us. It's a wonderful thing to trust and serve God. If there's anything I just want to declare to you tonight, the most joyful thing, the greatest thing in the world is just to trust God unreservedly with everything in your life. To say, God, I, I'm, I'm going to give you that cup of water, but God, I, I want to have faith as well to see how much more you can use me. When me and my wife, uh, when we started deputation, my faith was not what it should have been. I remember I told Bethany, I said, Bethany, I said, we're, we're, I've done this before with my parents. I said, we're in the middle of COVID-19 right now. We got on the road full time in October. And I started making, calling pastors in September. And I told Bethany, I said, I said, there's not going to be any church she's going to have us come until probably March or April. It's going to take a while. Churches are closed down right now. I said, we're not going to be able to get on the road anytime soon. And uh, it's going to take a while. And as I just stepped out by faith, that October fully booked, November fully booked, December, and now we're almost halfway there to Ireland, headed to Ireland. And it maybe was probably my wife's faith, her praying. <laughs> but can I tell you that God has infinitely sustained as we just trusted Him? I'm not glorying in my faith, I'm glorying what God's done. When we started deputation, I shared this uh, this morning. I called missionaries in Ireland, you know, all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, all excited. Oh, we're going to Ireland! And they said, you can't. What? You, you can't come to Ireland. There's no visa. You can't get a religious visa to come to Ireland. And you know something? They were right. For the last several years, Ireland does not want foreign missionaries to come on their soil, and they made the laws very difficult for missionaries to come in. And that was hard. God... Do we have a long-distance phone problem connect? Do we have a sound? Do we have a media connection problem here? What's going on? I thought you called me to go to Ireland. It doesn't seem like I can get in. But we believe that God, by faith, He wants us to go. So we start deputation regardless of having the assurity of getting a visa or not. And we believe that God is going to provide one if we just trusted Him. And if not, we're still going to believe He's good and there's Northern Ireland. We're trying to get into Northern Ireland and we'll start a ministry there. And as we, as we started, I remember every church we've been in, we've been in about 60 so far, I asked people, hey, please pray for the visa. Please pray. That's going to ensure that we can do ministry there long term. We don't just want to go on a vacation. We want to spend the rest of our life there. 
And as, as we did that, the Bible tells us that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And as we went in church after church, back in February, I was reading the visa laws. I obsessively would look at it every week, and I noticed those huge changes that, hey, listen, now you can get in. I called those missionaries and said, Josh, you can get into Ireland now. It seems like the door has opened for you to get in. And I just want to encourage you tonight that when we simply trust God, He's going to sustain us. When we simply trust God, we just keep on trusting and we make that daily decision to do it again and again and again. God is always going to sustain. Being a good Christian, it's not about dressing up in a suit. It's not about smiling like a Barbie doll all the time, act like everything's always perfect in your life. It's not about saying amen louder than everybody or praying longer than anybody else. No, being a Christian underneath all of that, there has to be a heart that simply just trusts God. A heart that's willing to do it again and again, even when things, the surroundings seem improbable. Even when the supplies you have, what you have to offer seem inadequate. Where you say, I'm just going to keep on trusting God today. And you might, again, you might say tonight, I've done my fair share of trusting, of praying, of giving, of going. I've been around, I've seen a lot, I've experienced a lot. God wasn't done with Elijah after Zarephath. God wasn't done with this widow after Zarephath, but He wanted them to continue simply trusting Him again and again and again. The task that's before us, a great commission, it's, it's a great task. Billions of people that have not heard the gospel clearly ever. It's a great task. And if we're going to see people get saved, those promises that God gives us in Acts 1.8 about going to, to Judea and Jerusalem and, and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth, that those promises about how to experience revival, you're preparing for that now as a church, about how to have that in our own life so we can bring that uh, to, the, to, to the rest of the world, those promises, we're going to have to have the faith, we're going to have to trust to claim them and to live in those promises that God has given us. You know, I'm sure that his disciples, when Jesus died, it was grim. It was, wasn't it? It was grim. Jesus has died, but he rose from the dead. Galatians, Paul says this, Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth within me. In the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. We can continue living for God because we know that, hey, God, if Jesus rose from the dead, if He loves me, then hey, He's going to give me the power to continue moving forward for Him. I just want to close with this tonight. This message primarily was about, I just want to challenge you just to keep on trusting God, but there might be folks here tonight, you would say, you know, Brother Josh, this whole Christianity thing, this whole God thing, I've been kind of, I, I, I don't really know if it, it, I don't know about all that. I don't know if I'm a Christian. I don't know if I'm going to heaven. Can I challenge you with this? Can I declare this truth to you tonight? That you're not going to get to heaven without faith. You're never going to become a Christian without faith. For without faith, it's impossible to please God. This widow woman, you know who she reminds me of a little bit, this story. There's a, another lady at the well, wasn't there? And Jesus told her, she, he, uh, 
she said, oh, I have a, she said, I'm not married. Jesus says, yeah, you have five husbands and all these things. Jesus knew everything about this lady's life. And this lady, she says, hey, I'm going to go get you some water, Jesus. She was willing to give Jesus some water as well. And Jesus says, hey, I want to give you infinite sustenance. I want to give you living water that will truly satisfy your soul. And this lady, she couldn't give living water, but Jesus could. She could just give a cup of water, but Jesus wanted to do something greater in her life because of her faith. Maybe in your life today, you've been trying to, you've been trying to work your way. You've been saying, you know what? I'm going to, I want to go to heaven. I, I want to be a Christian. I'm just going to work really hard. I'm going to be a really moral person. I'm going to be a really good person. And you're willing to give those faithless offerings. God, I'll go to church. God, I, 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 I'll try to do this church thing. I, I, I'll try to do that. And, uh, you know, my parents did that, whatever. And we'll try to do those faithless offerings. And God's saying, hey, listen, in order for you to become a Christian, you have to put your faith in what I've done for you. You have to have put your faith in what I can do for you, not in what you can do for yourself. For without faith it's impossible, please God. Ephesians 2.89 tells us this, For by grace are ye saved through faith. That not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For those tonight that you know you're a Christian, you know you're on your way to heaven, I want to challenge you, hey, don't just stop at doing what you can do for God. See what God wants to do through you. For those of you tonight who there might be someone here, you don't know Christ as your personal Savior. Hey, listen, salvation is simple. Salvation is simple as getting a drink of water. Salvation is as simple as opening up a door. Salvation is as simple as answering the door as Jesus is knocking at it. Because salvation is by faith in what Jesus has done for you on the cross. Salvation is by trusting in Jesus, repenting of your sin, putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. I want to ask you just to bow your heads with me and close your eyes.